Well, it's time for Church in the Home once again, this Sunday, the 30th of October, 2022. When my husband, Graham, asked me to share a message, the Lord impressed on my spirit the important subject of family. Let's pray and commit this message, this teaching, to the Holy Spirit. Father God, thank you for your precious word. Thank you that your word will not return void. It will accomplish that for which it was sent and it will prosper. Thank you, Lord, that it will bring a fruitfulness for the sake of your great kingdom. Amen. God is into family in a big way. Why? Because from the very beginning of time, family has been the foundational institution of society ordained by the Lord God Almighty himself. Genesis chapter 1 verse 28 clearly states that he blessed Adam and Eve and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. The very Godhead itself is made up of a family unit demonstrating the close relationship between Father, Son and Holy Spirit and his church is also a family made possible by the death and resurrection, the shed blood of Yeshua. Jesus Christ, every born-again believer having been adopted into a very large and extensive family network, also known as God's household or spiritual family, which is made up of sons and daughters with God as our Father. So beautifully described in Ephesians 1 verse 5, He predestined and lovingly planned for us to be adopted to Himself as His children through Yeshua, in accordance with the kind intention and good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace and favor, which he so freely bestowed on us in the Beloved, his Son Yeshua. It is therefore our Father's deepest desire that not one person on this planet should ever be excluded from becoming part of his great big family, the body of Christ, Jesus. However, there is someone who really doesn't appreciate God's love for the institution of family. In fact, he hates it and will do everything he can to destroy God's blueprint and his building blocks intended for peace, joy and prosperity. He is a murderer, a thief who kills and destroys, a liar and the father of lies. John 8 verse 44 Also known as the God of this world with a little g. The devil, or adversary, the accuser of the brethren. Another term for brethren is brothers and sisters in Christ. He knows that strong godly nations are built on the biblical foundation of strong marriage and family networks, and therefore he works overtime, together with his hierarchy of spiritual forces of darkness, to undermine that which the Lord intended to be precious and beautiful. And he especially takes delight in discrediting the covenant of marriage. Today's society suffers much dysfunctionality and pain due to the breakdown of marriages, couples getting divorced, same-sex marriages, unmarried couples living together, etc. The enemy has played havoc in lives, pornography, prostitution, human trafficking, abortion, adultery, etc. The list is endless 
with including the whole issue of gender equality. I was shocked the other day to walk into what I thought was a woman's only restroom in a popular mug and bean outlet, only to find men using the same facility. Privacy is being invaded not only in public malls, but also in educational systems, interfering with the well-being especially of the younger generation. Unisex restrooms are made to look quite normal and acceptable when in fact it is most inappropriate. How the devil loves to make that which is blatantly evil look good. Fortunately, our Father God has provided answers in his word for all the problems which plague society, and he so longs to draw people to himself with cords of love, turning everything which Satan has meant for evil around for good. As a young student attending Christ for the Nations Institute in Dallas in the 1980s, the Lord brought a particular scripture to my attention. At that moment, I had no real understanding of what it actually meant. But my Heavenly Father had impressed these words upon my spirit for a later date. He knew that Janet Garvin, that's my maiden name, would eventually marry a minister of the gospel called Graham Barlin, and become his wife and together have two children, Sarah and Timothy, and eventually that I would be involved in the restoration of people's lives under my husband's leadership. Over the years, this scripture has become more and more meaningful and applicable, and it's a very pertinent scripture for the body of Christ and much needed in today's contemporary Christian church. Isaiah 58 verse 12 says, your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and you will raise up and restore the age-old foundations of buildings that have been laid waste. You will be called the repairer of the breach, broken walls, restorer of streets to dwell in. Please note that although this reference is given to the people of Israel, we as the church, which is made up of every born-again believer, can apply it to ourselves because Israel symbolizes the body of Christ. With this portion of scripture in mind, it's important to emphasize that ultimately our mandate is to be a catalyst for the restoration of marriage and family, and God has given this task and responsibility to come under the umbrella of each local church congregation, fellowship or spiritual family to carry out. The local church is the vehicle through which the Holy Spirit is able to heal, restore and empower and therefore counteract all the negativity caused by the devil and his forces of darkness. In line with this, recently I have been reading the book of Nehemiah and I came across scriptures which tie up well with this mandate. A bit of background to the book first. Nehemiah means in Hebrew, God comforts. And it's important to pick up the spirit of what the Lord is saying through this man's leadership. His mission statement was to get Jerusalem's walls rebuilt and to restore the dignity of her people who were suffering from reproach, disgrace, shame, from all the years of exile in Persia having become victims of the enemy. Israel, having sinned against the Lord, had suffered the consequences as a result. The king of Persia, or otherwise known as Babylon, grants Nehemiah his request to go and rebuild the walls of the city of his fathers. 
Nehemiah had earned the king's favor, having held the very important position as his personal cupbearer. But it's also interesting to note that in Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 6, it mentions that the queen was sitting next to the king when Nehemiah asked permission to leave Persia. This, according to the Jameson Bible Commentary, was most likely Esther, whose presence would have provided Nehemiah with the necessary courage needed to make his request to the king due to her vested interest in her own people, the Jewish nation. And then, of course, also Esther would have been able to influence her husband, who was the king, in favor of Nehemiah. It was unusual, apparently, for a Persian monarch to have his queen sitting next to him, so this was obviously a rare occasion and was included for a purpose. Indeed, if it was Esther, then it would have made absolute sense. Food for thought. Speculation, maybe? Yes. But God knows exactly what he is doing at all times. It's up to us as his people to make sure that we fit into his plans and purposes for our lives and not the other way around. Nehemiah was given the opportunity to become the deputy governor of Judea and in a period of just 52 days, he together with his team of people endeavored to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and consequently substantial reformation took place in Israel. It was not easy, of course, due to a lot of pressure from neighboring opposition parties, but the Bible says that the discouragement was overcome through continual prayer and the people having a heart to complete the formidable task using their weapons of warfare as protection both day and night. Different families worked in their particular sections, building the walls and making the necessary repairs. It's interesting to note that there was one particular gentleman by the name of Shalom, S-H-A-L-L-U-M, who made repairs together with his daughters. These are the only women listed amongst the rebuilders of the wall. The others were men. Why? Because building walls requires immense physical strength. Likewise, prayer requires just as much physical as it does spiritual strength. So what is God saying? Well, he obviously wants the men to take the lead if they are not already doing so. When the people of Israel were feeling disheartened and afraid, Nehemiah writes in chapter 4, verse 13 and 14, I stationed armed men behind the wall in the lowest places at the open positions where it was least protected. And I stationed the people in families with their swords, spears, and bows. When I saw their fear, I stood and said to the nobles and officials and the rest of the people, Do not be afraid of them. Confidently remember the Lord who is great and awesome, and with courage from him, fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Now when our enemies heard that we knew about their plot against us, and that God had frustrated their plan, we all returned to the wall, each one to his work. Nehemiah 6 verse 16 goes on to say, When the enemies of Israel heard that the walls had been rebuilt, they lost their confidence, 
and the Bible says they recognized that this work had been accomplished with the help of God Almighty. This story provides a powerful illustration for us as the modern-day church to rise up and bring restoration to the beautiful God-given institution called marriage and family due to the fact that spiritually a wall of prayer is necessary in order not only to protect but to heal our immediate families and also to provide watchmen on the walls to help other families get healing, to heal the breach where the enemy has come in, to raise a standard where, when he comes in like a flood and broken down so much of the family structure. However, having said that, there is a fundamental truth which needs to get across, and that is that in Nehemiah chapter 8, it clearly states that all the people gathered together as one man to listen to the word of the Lord being read. Several verses later, it says that they understood the words which had been communicated to them. In more simpler terms, their spiritual eyes were opened to understand what God had been telling them to do. Since this message is directed specifically for us in our Father's House Church congregation, with Graham as our God-appointed spiritual leader, it is so important together to hear exactly what the Holy Spirit is saying as a local church family or fellowship or congregation. Graham mentioned this in his message when he preached on Sunday at the service. And it's imperative. He said that it was so important for us to hear the trumpet call when it is blown. This is in accordance with Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 20. And to do that, it's important that everybody in the congregation makes themselves available to hear the trumpet being blown. Once again, stressing the importance of gathering together as a local church congregation on a regular basis on the Lord's Day wherever possible. Now in line with this, I just want to end off this message with an illustration which I shared at the service on Sunday and would like to share it again as it is a message from the Lord concerning the moving of His Holy Spirit. Last week, as I was putting our vehicle into the garage after a trip to the spa, I noticed a dove flew into the garage and it settled on the rafters. So I left the garage door open, waiting for the little bird to fly out. Thinking that it had left, I eventually closed the door. After checking to see that it had gone, I was mistaken and very sad to find out the next day that the dove had died in the garage, unable to escape. The Lord spoke to me and said, That's how he feels, just like that little dove, when his people refuse, maybe out of ignorance or fear or just plain tiredness or maybe stubbornness to move with him. That is, by not flowing in the gifts of the Holy Spirit or by not taking responsibility to pray, particularly when the congregation gets together. It takes the life out of him and a spirit gets severely restricted. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 19 says, Do not quench, subdue, or be unresponsive to the working and guidance 
of the Holy Spirit. We actually grieve the Holy Spirit when we do not flow with him. The trumpet call has been given. Therefore, let's make sure that we, in particular, as a local church fellowship, do everything that we can not to miss out on all the wonderful plans the Lord has for us as a local church. His greatest desire being to bring healing and restoration to this beautiful institution known as marriage and family. God bless as the Holy Spirit uses this message to bring unity wherever necessary, not only in our local church congregation, but in the greater body of Christ. In Yeshua's mighty name, be blessed. Amen. <music>